Good morning. This is Tommy Ray, and we are in episode 74 of Water Rights, Laws, Guns, and Money. Today is May 18, 2023. I first want to apologize that it's been almost a month since the last episode. I know many of you look forward to the latest in the foolishness and desperation of our water world. I hate to be so harsh, but like the famous movie line, I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Well, really, I'm not mad, but I am disgusted with the lack of action by our political leaders on solving, or at least putting forward concrete steps that can be taken to solve our water issues. I'm also disgusted at the state water plan. I have previously put forward five steps that could be taken today to make it easier for us to solve our water problems. But before I repeat those, I want to report what took place in this year's legislative session and talk a little bit about the state water plan. I'm also disturbed that others such as NPR in its water podcast called Parched, don't directly talk about the elephant in the room. Agriculture growing so much cattle feed in the Western U.S. So what happened in the legislative session regarding water? Basically, nothing. And that was after Julie McCluskey said at the start of this session that water was going to be the centerpiece of legislation to be tackled this year. As reported in the May 11 issue of the Colorado Sun, Colorado's legislative action on water this year was mostly about what lawmakers didn't do. Water issues fell by the wayside at the Colorado Capitol as topics like gun control, housing, and abortion took center stage. The 2023 Colorado lawmaking session was one of incremental steps on water issues, which means Coloradans have to wait until next year to see if legislators can find policy solutions to key water security questions. I hope you can contact your representatives and insist that positive action be taken next year. We can't continue kicking the can down the road. Lawmakers debated more than 600 bills with only 16 bills specifically addressing water issues. Of those bills, one directly addressed Colorado River issues by creating a Colorado River Drought Task Force that has six months to debate solutions and make a recommendation to lawmakers in December. Kick the can. I love the way politicians put spin on work they have done. For instance, Bart Miller, Healthy Rivers Director at Western Resource Advocates, said, In general, 2023 ended up being a session 
where there were incremental steps taken toward addressing the big water and river challenges that we have, but that a lot more needs to be done. The good news is the bills that made it through this year do set us up for that. They are good stepping stones toward the bigger needs. Oh, really? Really? We all know that reservoir water storage has reached crisis levels in recent years, and our river's water supply is diminishing. Atmospheric warming has caused stream flows to decrease by 20% over the past century, and the hotter the atmosphere gets, the more water is lost, according to research from the U.S. Geological Survey and the 2023 Colorado Water Plan. In Colorado, the average yearly temperature has increased 2 degrees in the past 30 years. In January, Speaker Julie McCluskey, Democrat from Dillon, and Governor Jared Polis highlighted water security as a key issue facing Coloradans. In his State of the State Address January 19, Polis said increased demand, chronic and extreme drought, conflicts with other states, and devastating climate events are threatening critical water infrastructure. Wow! With strong words like that, you would expect to see some action. As Steve Wolf, General Manager of the Southwestern Water Conservation District, told the Sun, I think we were all expecting sort of an onslaught of water issues and water bills up front. Didn't really see that. I think the few we've seen, for the most part, came late in the session. So what did pass the legislature? Well, they approved $95 million in funding for local water-related projects in one bill, and in another, clarified the approval process for minor streamflow restoration projects while considering possible impacts on downstream water users. A third measure made it easier for homeowners to xeriscape their lawns with water-saving options by further cutting homeowners associations' powers over landscaping. All three of those bills are on the governor's desk. Wastewater treatment operators might be glad to hear that non-dissolvable wipes, which can cause mayhem when they clog up pipes, will clearly be labeled, do not flush. Well, now that's something we can celebrate as solving our water crisis. Come on, legislature, do more. After months of debate over solution to Colorado River challenges, legislatures settled on continuing the conversation with focused input from stakeholders through the Colorado River Drought Task Force, which was introduced in April, weeks before the session ended. Another task force. Lots more talking and can-kicking. 
Days after the session's end, some experts felt like creating the task force was the right step, but others weren't so sure. It would hopefully stimulate some conversation and some innovative thoughts and ideas about how Colorado deals in this challenging time and space with dwindling supplies and ever-increasing demand, said Senator Cleve Simpson, an Alamosa Republican. Daniel Beard, a former Bureau of Reclamation commissioner, said he was baffled that legislators view the task force as a great accomplishment or expect the members of the group to come up with a solution in a few months when Colorado River issues have been heavily debated for years. What's needed is the political will to take politically painful actions, he said. Man, I like this guy. Have you ever met a successful politician that stood up and said, I'll take all the pain? No, Beard said. They're creating a body to come forward with some recommendations, and then they can hide behind the results. So if they do something controversial, they, the legislators, can say, it wasn't my fault. I was just following the recommendations of the commission. Thank you, Dan Beard, for saying it like it is. No question that water issues are complex and sensitive, but someone has to step up and force things through. Hopefully, House Speaker Julie McCluskey can use whatever recommendation the task force comes up with to get the legislator to take action next year. Legislatures need to get buy-in from across the state and have a thoughtful approach. But our water crisis is now and only getting worse. For the agricultural community, some ideas raised complicated questions. James Henderson, a farmer and rancher in the San Luis Valley and vice president of the Colorado Farm Bureau, said, If a farmer sold conserved water to help with the state's legal responsibility, but that water wasn't actually needed, what would happen to it? Would it be able to be used for agriculture, or would it be used for recreational or environmental purposes? We know it's not needed, and then we're going to use it for something else. That's a little bit of a shell game, right? Henderson said, adding that water savings from agriculture need to be temporary, voluntary, and compensated. Well, I agree on the compensated part. The task force would give the agricultural community a stronger voice in the ongoing conversation, he said, saying the panel would have the most important water conversations in Colorado in a decade. Yeah, like agriculture needs a stronger voice. Agriculture has a stranglehold on the legislature already the way I see it. The water is going to come from ag. There's not really another abundant source. 
So it's really at its heart an agriculture issue, Anderson said. Ag water is the economy for a lot of our rural towns. So we have to be very, very thoughtful on how we do that while maintaining that water right is an individual right and has value. I wonder if the legislature took that very, very thoughtful approach when coal mines are shutting down and destroying lives and a way of life. I wouldn't bet on it. Senator Simpson, who grows alfalfa in the San Luis Valley, said the early discussions during the session lacked transparency. The senator supported the task force for bringing those conversations to stakeholders. To have that kind of significant policy conversation, from my perspective, he said, if you're not doing that in the open, in the public and transparent, I just think that conversation is doomed to failure. Simpson also said this is so important and involves so many stakeholders Doing things significantly like that takes some time and engagement. Okay, I understand and agree with that perspective. I have met Cleve Simpson, and he seems genuinely honest and well-intentioned. Slowing down the process instead of launching big legislation this year might help prevent unintended harmful consequences. Hopefully, the task force isn't just kicking the can down the road again. Other water experts said Colorado has had enough time to debate solutions to the Colorado River Basin issues. The state already has several groups that discuss Colorado River issues, like an interbasin compact committee, basin roundtable groups from across the state, and special work groups created by the Colorado Water Conservation Board. We've had literally hundreds of commissions, task force, and other study groups look at water issues over the years, Beard said. This isn't a new thing any group could discover. I'll say it again, this guy I like. Jennifer Gimble senior water policy scholar at Colorado State University, said the task force's goals seem, quote, nebulous, but having conversations is always a good thing. The draft legislation started by laying out defined responsibilities, but then the language was softened and said the task force should just consider issues. The legislation was brought up so late in the session, she said, that there wasn't enough time for a thorough discussion of how to put the task force together. Everybody came on strong. We're going to do water, and we're paying attention to the Colorado River. And two or three weeks before the end of the session, now we have something come up, Gimble said. I understand that there were all kinds of conversations and proposed legislation being talked about. But if it was important enough to the speaker, 
and the head of the Senate, why weren't we doing this earlier? I love these comments. Thank you, Jennifer. I have arranged to interview her soon. You'll get more of her thoughts. It's unlikely to get politicians or public employees to criticize our lack of planning to develop or reallocate water resources. Take a look at the state water plan published by the Colorado Water Conservation Board. The best I can say is that it is a beautifully produced documents, lots of pretty pictures and graphs on what the existing water situation is, but seemingly nothing in terms of a, quote, plan to produce or reallocate lower use water to higher uses. Go read it. There is an emphasis on collaboration. Collaboration. Man, that's the buzzword when talking about water. I get to say what I want and what I feel. Sure, collaboration is great, but someone has to come up with an idea first. Usually, that is a city trying to solve its own problems. Others then jump on board. I don't understand why state resources can't be used to come up with solutions. Come up with some firm proposals. And that has to involve moving ag water to other uses, either increasing stream flows or increasing city supplies. No one seems to want to take that first step out on the gangplank for fear of being pushed off. I understand this. Even NPR in its podcast on water just talks about existing situation. Again, beautifully produced with nice fade-in and fade-out music and sounds, but nothing talking about new solutions. In its first episode, it talked about how Lake Mead has shriveled up. Heck, we all know that. Then they interviewed second-in-command at the Las Vegas Water Authority. Las Vegas solved its problem by placing their intake pipes and pumps lower in Lake Mead so that as Lake Mead continues to dry up, Vegas can continue to get its water. That's no solution. That's just saying we're going to suck more until it's completely dry. I expected some hard ideas. Of course, I have no idea what Vegas can do. I was amazed at the statistic that Vegas has exploded from 440,000 in 1980 to 2.9 million today. Holy smokes! Surely running completely out of water will discourage people from moving to Las Vegas. Is there an end in sight? The point of this discussion is that no one has any idea what to do. Well, at least I have suggested five hard things that should be looked at and implemented. 
you may remember that they are one, encourage farmers to save water and easily sell that water. Two, quit discouraging buy and dry. Three, do away with the 1041 regulations. Four, reinitiate Two Forks Reservoir. And five, create a buy and dry zone on specific watersheds. And I am particularly enamored with hydroponics. That technology is here and can save 95% of water used in agriculture. That will require a cultural shift in our farming techniques, but this should happen. It saves water and saves land. We're not making any more of either. So that's my two cents worth. We have water problems, but nowhere near the problems that Jakarta has. I earlier reported that Jakarta is sinking because of water issues and the need for fresh water. Here is a blurb from the May 17 issue of the New York Times. Jakarta has a lot of problems, says Hannah Beach, the Times senior correspondent from Asia, but its most existential one is that it is sinking in some places by up to a foot a year. Climate change is part of the reason. The Java Sea, which surrounds Jakarta, Indonesia's capital, is rising. But an even bigger factor is that Jakartans, desperate for access to clean water, have dug thousands of illegal wells that effectively deflate the marshes underneath the city, causing the land to subside. Today, 40% of Jakarta lies below sea level, and flooding is increasingly common. To deal with that threat, Indonesia's popular president, Joko Widodo, in his ninth year in office, has devised an audacious solution. He is moving the country's capital. Wow. Now that's a politician that's taking action. The new capital now under construction is being built from the ground up about 800 miles from the current capital. Joko promises that the city will be a model of environmental stewardship, carbon neutral within a few decades. That is mind-blowing. I don't think we're having those kinds of water problems, but access to water and its uses will continue to have major impacts on our futures, particularly in the Western states. We need to get in front of these problems. Thanks for listening, and for the final one cent worth of my thoughts, join me in my journey to my favorite mountain stream as we wrap up this episode. Thanks for listening. See you next time.